Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. All right, we are in Revelation 8, chapter 8 and 9. If you have your Bibles, if you want to um, head that way. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this book, Lord. It's the only book in the Bible that comes with this radical promise of blessing in our lives to those who read it, who hear it, who hold on to it, and obey it. And Father, we want that blessing, Father, as we kind of dive in here and journey through this amazing book. Pray, Holy Spirit, you will teach us, Lord, your truth this morning. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive Lord, your word this morning, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Um, <clears throat> this morning, <clears throat> as Derek led us into this idea of silence, and uh, boy, I, I don't know about you, but it, it's kind of tough. First service, we had all the kids in here, so it was really uh, not much silence, but it was just awesome to only hear the little kids' voices, you know, um, and just the, the power of being together as a church family and just inviting God and... Um, you know, hopefully during that time of silence, folks, something God spoke to you, hopefully something happened. Hopefully your heart rate dropped way down, right? That's, that's the goal. And just to get all the distractions, for me, it takes a long time to get the distractions out and just to, to be in a place of resting as a child of God. And, and Lord, just speak to me. Speak to me. As, as people come to your mind, if they do in that time, guess what? It's the Holy Spirit saying you need to pray for that person, right? Or do something for that, whatever the God says. Just, just be a vessel of a blessing, right? In that time, God might have something just for you. This is what the fellowship of, of God is all about. But I just ask you, what do you do with the silence in your life? What are you doing with the silence in your life? Or maybe the other question is, do you have any silence in your life? We live in a culture that fills every bit of silence up. Um, and so I just encourage you little things. Don't turn your Bluetooth on. When you get in the car, don't turn the music on. Don't turn the podcast on. Have some time. A car, sometimes depending upon how long your drive is, is an awesome place just to quietly be before God and to have no you know, outside noise. Um, but uh, silence is something, that, folks, that God beckons us into this place. You see it all in the scriptures. Derek said our Lord modeled this for us in the scriptures. If you're going to follow Jesus, we got to walk as he walked. Um, that's what 1 John says. And um, and so I, I, the other thing is, what are you filling the silence with? What are you filling your science with? And folks, you know, the tragedy today is most of us get up our alarms on our phone and we immediately pick that little sucker up and boom, guess what? Our mind is captive at that point, right? It's the first thing we do. And again, I just, I, my, I, my strong recommendation is it, it will be discipline. I'm telling you, this is going to show you how difficult this is. Set it aside. Grab your paper Bible and your paper journal. And the first part of your day, <clears throat> go and be quiet before the Lord. And, uh, and, and practice. Uh, he longs for us to go, as it says in, Gal <laughs> in the very beginning in Genesis, right? In the quiet of the garden, God wants to walk with you and talk with you, Right? Uh, in that place. And so uh, just a couple things this morning. I hope you'll take this statement and really let it sink in this week. What we do with silence could be, and I actually would probably say is, maybe, uh, the greatest indicator of the depth of our relationship with God. What we do with silence is going to be the greatest, could be the greatest indicator of the depth of our relationship with God. If there's no silence in your life, then there's no space for God. There's no space to listen to him. 
And you can fill your mind up with all kinds of podcasts, you know, uh, all kinds of good things. But boy, if there's not space, where's that relationship, right? Where's that relationship, that intimacy with God? So what we do is silence could be the biggest indicator of the depth of a relationship with God. And let me just tag this to discipleship is that, you know what? Nobody has taught you how to be quiet. It was Pascal that said the problem of the Western mind is nobody knows how to sit quietly in their room. We're busy creatures. And the Western, modern, postmodern culture we live in is noisy and has filled up, has screen time, has so many things, right, to keep us very busy. No one has taught you the discipline. It doesn't come natural. You're not going to get it in higher education. Matter of fact, every bit of your education is going to just bring more noise. And so the point of discipleship spiritual formation is somebody's got to teach us how to enter into the presence of God. Somebody's got to walk with us and challenge us and ask the deep questions of, man, how's it going with the silence in your life? How's it going? Do you have cutting some time in your life to let your heart rate go down, set the distractions aside, and to listen to God, right? And to listen to Him. Um, this is part of discipleship. Again, I encourage you, if you haven't been in discipleship, if you haven't walked with somebody, please talk to us. It is the great commandment. Go make disciples, right? Learn how to follow Jesus, which means part of that is learn the spiritual formation aspect of how to be a person of solitude and silence where God can speak to you and you can have that new creation, right, come alive inside of your soul. And so I, I hope this week you'll just think about this and really evaluate your life. Where where do I have silence? And how am I doing just resting before God? And folks, I'm telling you right now, as soon as you go do it, you're, there's going to be a battle raging in the spiritual realm. There's going to be so many distractions. There's going to be so much restlessness, right? You ha- it's battle. You have to, Lord, clear that out, clear that out. I just want to be before you, right? And to, to nurture that time. So um, I hope you'll take that. And, uh, and really uh, embrace that. And folks, somebody has to teach us, as I said in Disciples or something, how to bring God, bring the Holy Spirit into my silence and lead me into the fellowship of the Father and the Son. And I just ask you, has somebody taught you how to do that? It's one thing to go to church. It's one thing to listen, you know, to go to Bible school and to learn the Bible, be in Bible studies, learn a lot of Bible knowledge. It's a whole other thing to learn how to walk with God. Right? All those things are important, but if I don't actually have the personal experiential element, if somebody's not showing me, hey, how do I, how do I enjoy God? How do I enjoy His presence, right? Is somebody has to show us and lead us into this place of silence and how the Holy Spirit brings us in that time into the fellowship of our Heavenly Father and of our Savior, Jesus. It brings us into that. And uh, so that's what we ra- want to pursue <clears throat> obviously in this study, but I, again, I just encourage you, step in. Step in with people. Start going after this stuff and journeying together <clears throat> in discipleship. All right, so let's get into the text this morning. Um, chapters 8 and 9, we got a lot of ground to cover. And again, as I said before, chapter 6 is where most people bail out of Revelation. It gets too heavy, it gets too wild, it gets too maybe confusing, overwhelming for people. And uh, what I'm saying, I'm encouraging you online, those here, is we're not going to do that. We're pressing in for this blessing that comes with the Word of God, the last book in the Bible that has the end of the story that shows us the great hope of what God is going to do, where it's coming. And we're to embrace, right, these things as God's people. He wants to speak. 
speak to us right in this. So a quick background for those of you who are maybe just joining us. I encourage you to go back. All these, the previous messages are online, your webpage. And you can kind of build steam in this study. And um, we start off uh, this revelation. John's on the island of Patmos. He's the apostle John. He's later, he's older in his, his years. And he's a prophet too. He's hearing from God. God gives him this revelation of the end. And again, everything in here, folks, is tied back to the Old Testament, other prophecies, other things written about. This is just the fulfillment, bringing it all together as such. Every bit of the Bible, bringing it together. No book like this that fits together prophecies and things, hundreds and even sometimes thousand years ahead of time. It all fits together. Amazing. If you have a question when you're reading the New Testament, the answer is in the Old. It all, right, comes together. And so the first chapter is God, Jesus, or John had this incredible vision of Jesus in in his heaven, his resurrected body in heaven, and he's overwhelmed. This book brings about the fulfillment of God's grand purpose, which is we see in Ephesians 1. And the reason the Father sent the Son was to bring all things in heaven and on earth together, it's to bring all this together. That's the purpose of Christ. Ultimately, God wants to dwell with us. This separation of heaven um, from earth that we see that <coughs> happened in the Garden of, of Eden is that God's been working his process of salvation through all history bring it all back together again and um and we see the fulfillment of this in the book of revelation itself so we go from chapter one into chapter two and three and jesus gives a message to seven churches representing the complete message to the church right throughout history that all believers are to heed and each church is to wrestle with and to be obedient right to those strong words that we uh, covered in chapter two and three each one of them ends he who has ears to hear let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. We're to be a prophetic people. We're to be a people who hear the word of God, right? And hear what Jesus is saying to us based on the written word. But what is God specifically doing, right? Um, in our life, in our city, in our church, in our lives. Um, and that's one of the huge blessings that come with the book of Revelation. It spurs on our identity and blessing of being a prophetic people to hear God um, speak and to give that out as a blessing is priestly work, right? Meaning we serve God, minister to Him, and we minister to others. Um, we'll get more into that <clears throat> as we get into the book here. From those chapters, <clears throat> uh, the letter to church, we move into chapters four and five in Revelation. And four and five, we're taken into the throne room, we're taken into heaven itself, and given John's seen this vision of the throne room of God and all the angels and this incredible worship that is going around and around the glory of God. And the Father's on the throne, He has the scroll of the ultimate purposes of how the end is going to come, how heaven and earth are going to be united back together again. And He said, Who's worthy to open this? Who's worthy to bring heaven and earth together? And there's only one it's Jesus who's come. He's the only, only one who's worthy, right, to open open the scroll to complete the work and obviously that work he did at the cross his death and his burial his resurrection from the from the grave he defeated the power of sin and the power of death so that heaven and earth can come back together again and then that leads us into um, chapter six we saw the first initial um uh, judgments as such, in which were the seals. You see, popping the seals off. We come chapter 8 this morning to the last seal that's open, and it rolls us into now seven trumpet judgments. And here's the important thing. The seven seals, the first set, 
right, are all these birth pains. You, we've looked at them. It's all the things that have happened throughout time, right? Earthquakes and different rumblings in the earth and everything. These should all be their birth pains. They should be indicators to all people around the world. There's something not right with our planet. And it's not just carbon monoxide. It's not just, right, uh, uh, climate change. There's something deeper going on here. And it should wake us up, right? All those things should be indicators like, man, you know what? We need to look to God. Is that there is, they all are birth pains that should awaken people's hearts to be hungry for God, to realize that man can't solve our problems. And no man can bring heaven and earth together, right? No man can solve the ultimate questions of our heart that we have uh, for the future. And built inside you, Ecclesiastes says, is eternity is set in everybody's heart, inside your heart are naturally the big questions of future, eternity, right? Is there going to be a, a good ending to this story? What are we going to do with evil in the world? What do we do with justice in the world? And ultimately, what is love? How does all that blend together, folks? The cross is where the love of God and the justice, it comes. God has answered these questions, every single one of them, right, for bringing the ultimate end back together. And so we move into chapter 8, and here we see that the last seal goes and we're introduced to these seven trumpets. Now we move into the escalation towards the end as this book just vamps up right towards the end. We move from birth pains into actual judgments, actually the pouring out of God's wrath on the earth, right? Vamping things up. Again, all this is in here to do to give gracious time for people, right, to open their hearts to God, to repent, to turn back to Him, to look to God. And not hard. The only two way we see in Revelation, you only got two ways. You either harden your heart or you open your heart to God. There is no like middle ground. And that's what all of these judgments come to do. They either show, as we're going to see that tragically at the end of nine, the hardening of the hearts. Even in the midst of radical calamity, people reject God and would rather just hold on to their own will and, and life rather than bow to God and seek Him in His salvation. So let's dive in. Chapter 8. Book of Revelation, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And then the angel took the censer, he filled it with fire from the altar, he threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder and rumblings and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. So uh, the first thing here uh, in this, this idea of, this, uh, of silence. And uh, so just to, what is this, what's going on here? So uh, chapters four and five, we see this amazing worship. And, and it says basically, it, John tries to define the sound, but he has no words for the sound that was going on. And uh, if you've ever been in a large corporate worship where people are crying out to God in worship in, in their vernacular, in their tongue, in their, all these other things, it, it is a taste of heaven. It's a sound I can't even, I can't describe. It's glorious, right? It's the worship of the angels, right? Along with the church, which we see here in the prayers of God's people. And that's, by the way, what we're called into when we gather as a church to worship and minister right, to God. That's why, one of the main reasons we, we get, it's so important to gather, um, right, together. 
And uh, this idea of silence. So all of a sudden, in the midst of all that, remember 24-7, holy, holy, holy. Right, the, the creatures around the throne, the 24 elders, all the myriad of angels and, and the, the saints of old. And whoosh, it, it's this amazing. You get a little taste of it, the description in Hebrews chapter 12. All of a sudden, whoosh, silence. Just silence. And um, again, this should be an indicator for us that a spiritual principle after silence Something big happens. After silence, something big is coming. And folks, that's a spiritual principle for your life. God's real clear. You draw near, God says, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you take the discipline of silence to go after God, to be in his presence, he will come to you. And after a period of silence, of, of, of honoring him, of enjoying him, desiring to enjoy him, something big will happen in your life. It's a promise. For those who are hungry, for those who are thirsty, for those who want God, for those who want His presence. For those who want to step out of the noise and the busyness and come and just rejoice in the presence of God. He will meet you. Something big will happen in your life. And here, what we see is something really big. This is a huge transition into the trumpet judgments. Now into actually God bringing His judgment, His wrath upon the earth. And, the, and, and so it defines the prayers of the people. And folks, this is, remember, you cannot understand Revelation. It's not chronological. Everything in our Western mind wants to put the puzzle together. And like, we begin here, we end here. That is not how apocalyptic language um, is done. You have to step into these, these different visions that John have and piece them together. And this is how the Spirit leads us. Sometimes he gives this broad view of all of history. Sometimes he narrows it in, right, to what is happening in the end. And he's moved in the book of Revelation to the ultimate end. But to get there, he sometimes gives these broad pictures. Even here, he talked about all the prayers of the saints before God. So he's talking about all the prayers of the saints and the prayer he's specifically talking about that goes up with the incense before God and then the incense is thrown down. So there's a transition. God hears the prayers of his people and now he, and it says he threw it upon the earth. In other words, God's initiating. And anytime you hear rumbles, earthquakes, flashes of lightning, this is the beginning of judgment. Something's getting ready to be judged right on earth. And, uh, and what are the prayers of the saints? Well, <clears throat> is what specifically what prayers are talking about? Well, what is Jesus, how did he teach us how to pray? And anybody who's faithfully prayed the, the Lord's Prayer is, you got people in church who pray the Lord's Prayer as a, a routine prayer for their entire life and they never lay hold of the idea when, when in the Lord's Prayer you say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you realize you're joining it? That prayer is something massive. The reason Jesus says, you need to pray this. What he's saying, you need to wake up, get your will aligned with God's will. In other words, again, so that all of heaven and earth can be together. So God, again, can restore Eden, his presence among us, right? A new creation, right? God reigning and ruling, right? Over all the nations of the earth, uh, this is the prayer. This is the ultimate prayer. And you go a little further in, or earlier, I should say, in Matthew 6, and it were, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said that. What's the top priority in your prayers, my prayers? Seek first the kingdom of God. What's the priority of the church? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things that we get worried about. Hey, I'll take care of those. Seek first his kingdom. So that's where our prayer, right, should should move us. And so here uh, is kind of this principle of silence. It is in silence that we learn to seek 
and surrender to the Lord's will. It's in silence that we move and we're able to get to this place where I have all my prayer requests and my issues that I'm worried about before God and I get to a place where, Lord, your will be done. Lord, your kingdom come. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, align my heart and my desires with your will. Align me with what you're doing. And uh, this, is when God's, this is when it gets excited. This is when God starts really speaking. He wants his children to desire to surrender to him Right, what they desire ultimately, so that we're in a place to be vessels to hear from him, right, of ultimately what he wants to do. This is the kind of prayer this is describing right here. And it only flows out of people learning to be quiet before God, shed the noise, shed the worries, shed my concerns, and come to God, right, and be consumed, captivated by the presence of God and God's will, right, for uh, all creation. And so um, <clears throat> we move on here into uh, this next section. And I'm going to read a larger section uh, here. Um, and uh, this is when the, here, here are the trumpets, here are the judgment comes. And I don't have time to get um, into huge detail here, but let me just give you a little insight um, on these as I walk through them. I'll just stop and kind of show you what's going on here, where it's from in the Old Testament. Again, any of you who've read books and they've, you know, oh, that's like a helicopter in the future. That's like an atomic bomb or something. Chuck all that in the garbage, okay? Because this is specifically talking about things that have already, we got a little taste in the Old Testament, especially at the Exodus when God poured out the 10 plagues upon the Egyptians. This is a a, the same thing, but at a much bigger um, level, Okay. So here we go, verse, um, <clears throat> verse 6. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood and these were thrown upon the earth. A third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. It's not all burned up because God still is saving a remnant of people who are hungry. Always saving a remnant of who's hungry. Even if it's one man out of a decadent city, God's grace is there for the hungry, okay? But as he moves to the end, as we're going to see the end here, the tragedy is even in the midst of radical wrath and destruction on this earth, people will harden their hearts and reject God. The second angel blew his heart, his trumpet. Something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. This great mountain is defined in Jeremiah 51 as the kingdom of the world, Babylon. And as we know, in the Old Testament and into the New, in the New Testament, Babylon was Rome. Babylon is this name of the world system that controls, that is man's way, man's power, right? Um, And the rest of Revelation talks about ultimately God destroying, bringing judgment on the great city, on the city of man, right? The one that controls the commerce and the blessings and affluence and all the ships of the the consumers who come around the world. And we're going to talk about who Babylon might be right now in the next few weeks. It should be an interesting uh, diving into scripture. But this is a, another picture of God is going to bring, and he, he gives a little taste here. He's going to give the details of what that judgment looks like of the great city um, in the future. A third angel blew his trumpet. Great star fell from the heaven. Anytime you see in biblical language in the Old and New Testament, stars falling, right? What did Jesus say in Luke 10? He says, I saw Satan fall, right, from heaven. In other words, you're speaking about fallen angels. You're speaking about some demonic scary 
um, dark stuff, okay? And uh, what we're getting ready to see here as we move into this chapter is as the end comes, there's going to be this lifting of a restrainer. There's going to be more demonic activity, more high spiritual warfare activity. And folks, here's the reality. It is in silence that we're awakened to the heavenly realm and we learn to set our mind on eternal things. Most all of us have been trained with a very scientific, materialistic, Western worldview. We live most of our life with noise, completely focused on the widgets in front of us, on everything that's going on in the physical world that we can see and understand. You'll run into people in Aspen all day long who will tell you, I'm not going to believe anything I can't see and prove. Well, you know, good luck living that way. Hey, what about love? Right? What about all the deep things of our spirit or our heart? You can't see it or touch it. It's something mysterious. We live in a spiritual world. We are spiritual creatures, right? The whole angelic realm, the whole idea of a heaven is spiritual. It's uh, not here now. It's there. And the prayer is that we'd all be here again. And the amount of education across America that has blinded the eyes of young people and others, right, to not even have a filter to see the spiritual realm, to see behind everything happening in our realm, political realm, everything else is spiritual by its ultimate, the warfare and everything behind the physical is the spiritual reality that's behind it. And we will never have eyes for this. We'll never have an appetite for the spiritual realm if we do not learn to step into silence, have God speak to us and have. Ephesians tells us that we've been blessed in the heavenly realm with every spiritual gift. Do you know that? Do you know that as a Christian, you've been given by the Holy Spirit special gifting, a whole new way to look at life, right? And you're to operate in the heavenly realm, in the spiritual realm. And what does he say in the end of Ephesians? He says, our battle's not with flesh and blood. It's with the heavenly realm. It's with the spiritual battle going on here. And why are so many people losing battles? And just name any battle today. Name any emotional battle, name any other battle. It's because we're trying to battle most battles in our life, right? With a physical solution when the only ultimate solution is a spiritual solution, ultimately. And that begins with salvation. The very, my, the very idea of my soul, the very security of who I am, my identity, how I see myself is the solution. The only solution is a spiritual solution, which is what Jesus has done for me. This amazing free gift that's available to anybody anywhere who's hungry, who will humbly receive by grace the gift of salvation from Jesus, right? The fourth angel blew his trumpet, a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of the, of the light might be darkened, and a third of the night might be kept from shining, and likewise, a third of the night. And uh, again, all this stuff, most of this imagery go all the way back to Exodus. Little pictures. What did God do? He, and and, and any time you see the cosmos, the sun darkened and everything like this, something big is going to happen. When Jesus was crucified, what happened? Right, there was a cosmic change, right? Darkness, right? Hilt. There was an earthquake. We forget that, don't we? Read, read Matthew. When Jesus was on that cross, he said it's finished. All the, everything churned, all creation. The tombs opened up, Matthew says, right? It, the earth shook, it went dark, right? Why do you think that centurion said, oh my God, he is the son of God? Because all creation, why did Jesus say, when he's walking in, hey, Jesus, tell your people to stop worshiping. He said, if they stop worshiping, even the rocks will cry out because they know the one who spoke it all into being ultimately, right? Ultimately into being. 
And so we see, again, all these things. Back to the Exodus, the ten plagues, and the, the judgment of God on Egypt was all tied to their gods, all tied to Ray and all these other gods that, uh, um, that, uh, that Egyptians have believed in. And this is just a culmination of God's judgment upon Babylon, upon all of our idols, money, success. I'll just name the things. Maybe not physical things anymore, but just money and comfort and the things of the world that we put more value in than we do right in God. Now we're making a shift starting at 13, okay? And this is a big shift and uh, a, a very dark shift. And folks, let me just say, this is the shift that says as the end gets close, right, that this restrainer is lifted. And folks, I'm here to tell you, I'm gonna lay this down, is the restrainer is lifted off our nation. We are gonna see more spiritual things happen. You're gonna see more emotional trauma. You're gonna see more flat-out demonic activity. Just watch what's happening in video games and in Hollywood. Watch what's happening in people's appetite. More and more for the occult is alive and spiritual experience and everything like that. Why do we have more and more emotional craziness going on than ever before? Why is anxiety through the roof? Because you have a spiritual attack going on. You cannot fight it alone with medicine, flat out. Not gonna bring a solution unless we're awakened to realize there's a spiritual realm, there's only ultimately a spiritual solution, right, to all this. And so it says, then I looked, I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice and it flew directly overhead. Whoa, 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 the last three trumpets to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets <clears throat> that the three angels are about to blow. The fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star fallen, there it is again, a fallen angel, right? An evil, dark, um, demonic angel from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Bottomless pit in the Greek is abyss. And uh, you've heard that terminology if you've read the, uh, the New Testament. And uh, this is the place, part of Hades, right? Remember in, uh, is it uh, Luke 5, I think, the, um, or 19, whichever one. Where Jesus goes out to the land of the Gerasenes and the demonic, this man comes and falls before him and he was afflicted with legion, many demons. And, uh, and the demons pleaded to not be thrown into the abyss. And we're like, why did the demons plead that? Remember the pigs come along and they get shot off into the pigs? The abyss is the last place they want to go because the abyss is the place where the angels who fell back in Genesis 6 were held in captivity. Now you're like, what is going on here? Okay. Um, go back and, and listen to September 19th. I gave a message on the spiritual, understanding the spiritual realm. I don't have time to get into the details, but you're not going to understand, right? Revelation, the spiritual realm, how all this fits together. Folks, it fits together unbelievable. From Genesis, thousands of years beforehand to Revelation, it fits together unbelievable. What is happening in the spiritual realm? And uh, that's September 19th. Um, Yes, uh, understanding the spiritual realm. Go back and go to the webpage and find it. It'll give you understanding what happened in Genesis 6 to understand who are these dark figures that the abyss is opening up and God's allowing these dark figures to come and afflict, bring wrath and judgment right on this world. Again, this is the final, moving to the final. There's a remnant who are saved, but as we're gonna see, some people, even in the midst of this horrid uh, affliction, right, are going to reject God, even in the midst of that. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit. From the shaft rose smoke like <clears throat> the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened, and the smoke from, uh, from the shaft. And then the smoke came 
from the smoke came locusts on earth and they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. And they were told not to harm the grass of the earth nor green plants or trees, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now folks, let me just stop here. This is, this, is about, this is where the rubber meets the road and this is where many people will just reject and have a hard time listening to this. It couldn't be any clearer. Okay? There is only one protection from eternal wrath, from the judgment and justice of God for all of our sin. There's only one solution. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. This goes all the way back to Egypt, right? What was the final plague, right? They were to slaughter a lamb and put the blood over the doorpost. And when the death angel saw the blood, the covering, the seal, right? Is it passed over? And the wrath went to another house. A house that didn't have that firstborn was dead, right? And then that's what finally broke Pharaoh to allow the people to leave. What's the seal now in the New Testament? The seal is the Holy Spirit. If you receive Jesus, you are sealed, You are secure. It's a down deposit of grace that you will never have to fear the punishment and wrath of God. You are saved from that. Not from suffering. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to suffer for me. But you'll never experience the punishment, the wrath of God. Right? And so I I plead with you. Do you know you're sealed by the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you're a child of God? Do you know and have the security that no one can snatch you out of Jesus' hands? That's John 10. That you're His. Right? And this is this which should motivate us to go out and bring this good news to others, right? Who have not heard this, who done, who are putting their trust in the world, folks. This is this is coming, and um, again, nothing in the Bible throughout history only supports everything that God is doing right here. And they were allowed to torment them for months, but not kill them, and they were torment like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. It's, it's tough stuff. But folks, I know there's a time is coming, right, where the, the heavens are going to open because before heaven comes, the unleashing of the darkness, right? And we see in the end here, God's going to judge the abyss. He's going to judge all these evil. He's going to lock them away, right, forever and ever in the, in the lake of fire. But there's a time to unleash, there's a time to come and to, uh, to bring this judgment upon the earth <clears throat> of those who reject God. And we could read on the sixth trumpet and it's just more and more of demon. These are not tanks, these are not nuclear bombs. Folks, it's something worse. Right? These are demonic beings that come and it will afflict people's souls. And um, there's an answer of protection. A glorious good news answer to this, right? And uh, I'll let you read more of the details just for the sake of time. But I just want to summarize this section that it is in silence that we are awakened to the heavenly realm. We learn to set our minds on eternal things. God says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, right? And, uh, and if all that freaks you out, this idea of the demonic realm and a demonic attack, right? It shouldn't. The majority of the issues we deal with, affliction in our life and everything else, go down addiction, you name it, has a spiritual background. Suicide, folks. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. At the root of all that is a lie from the enemy going all the way back to Genesis. It is a spiritual attack, a dark, dark attack that ultimately has to be fought with the grace of God and the power of God. Right? And just throw everything else out there into this. And these things are just going to magnify. Right? As 
the time gets close. And so God's people should be fortified, right, to step into this world, to step into these issues with the grace of God and the good news of God, the hope uh, that God has, right, for this protection. Just receive it. Receive the gift of grace. Receive what God wants for you through his sending his son, right, to, to pave a way. The last thing, I just want to jump ahead to verse 20. And folks, this, this should shock us. It should shock us into prayer. It should shock us into, into reaching out to our neighbor and to share the good news. But verse 20 says this, in light of all this that we just read, these trumpets, right? In light of all that, verse 20 says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries that were as pharmacaea, there were drugs and cultic and everything else, or their sexual immorality, that's anything outside of God's created design, or their thefts, their greed, and their hunger for the things of the world. Folks, that should be shocking to us. In light of all the birth pains going on and the trouble in the world and just doing world history, seeing what's happened in world history, to not see that man, that we are helpless unless we humbly seek God. To think that we can hunker down and somehow we're going to, oh, we're going to all move to Mars or something. That's the solution, right? Is the, the hardness of man's, and then even here, when things get really bad, I'm talking, you know, Beyond what we can even, what we've seen or imagined, people are still going to harden their heart and reject God. That should rock us, folks. It should rock us to action, loving action, right, to come alongside, right, other people. Now, just in closing, two things. I just give you Psalm 46, folks. And I want to show you how the Bible fits together. Just uh, in chapters, in your Bible, in chapters 8 and 9 of, of Revelation, just write Psalm 46, and listen to this song. And, uh, and this is, again, hundreds of years before. This is the psalmist that did not have the revelation yet. But this is how God prophetically encourages and speaks to his people. And this is a psalm, folks, for us today, like never before. And hopefully this psalm is going to come alive to you a little bit in light of what we just read in Revelation. Listen to this. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Right? When the birth pains and when this earth and the things happen. And folks, I'm just going to be bold as I can. I know this might just hack some people off. But we will not save this earth. No matter what cause, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you work. You will not save this world. Matter of fact, you were never called to save the world. You were called to save and love people. Because this world is coming to an end. Now, does that mean that I'm not to be, do, do, be a part of being a good steward of the environment? No, we're to be good stewards. Do what we can to be good stewards of the earth, but you will not save this world. But the message today shows that the hardening of the heart somehow rally the cause. We got to save the climate. Good luck with that. That just reveals a arrogance, folks, that is beyond imagine. To think that you can actually save the creation. You can actually change the course of history where it's going on with this, this world. Never is going to happen. It's coming to an end. It's coming to an end. There is no question about it. It's moving. The forces are moving that way. Whether it's another thousand years, whether it's tomorrow, we don't know. All right? God's word says, for the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. 
We trust him in his timing. But I do not get arrogant to think that my cause and effort is going to bring this about. Right? What does the psalmist say? Man, look, he is an ever-present help in time of deep. Even though the earth falls away, we will not fear. We got this in his hands. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, that's happening now. And people say, well, that's climate change. Sure, it's climate change. Right? The mountains are falling. The, earth, the icebergs are caving. And just go down the list of things. It's not only because of carbon monoxide or whatever. There is a birth pain. There is something bigger, more spiritual going on, right, than just climate change. And we've got to have spiritual eyes to see it, right, and pray into it. And yes, be great environmentalists, obviously. But look at the psalmist. He goes into this, this section. There is a river. Yep, there's a river. He go, now he goes to heaven. So he, he, he's reflecting. God's giving him a prophetic idea of what's happening on the earth. But now he goes to heaven. Yes, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in her midst. She shall not be moved. And God will help her when the morning dawns. Though the nations rage and the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. He's with us. Jump down to verse 10. Be still. Know that I'm God. Now, most of us, we stop there. Most of us have heard that verse. That's where we stop. But let's read on. Be still and know that I'm God. I, God says, will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted among. This is the role of the church. To reach every tongue, tribe, and nation. The gospel, the good news. And every nation of the world is under man's control and is doing its best to fight against the things of God. And look at our nation. We have turned our back on God at every turn. Do you think that God, what do you think is going to happen? What do people think is going to happen? When we reject God's design over and over and over again, we're doing what every nation in all of history has done is turn our back on the creator. Think we can handle, we can fix our, we can fix our issues, Right? And um, not going to happen. The nations rage. And we're going to talk more about America's role here as we get into Revelation. It'll be uh, exciting. Um, and God says, I'll be exalted in the earth. This is back to God's original thing. He's bringing heaven and earth together. God will be glorified. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess who he is. This is where it's going. And so, um, there, y'all come on up. I, I, I just have one thing I want to end with here on this. Is Okay, well, it's like, okay, now what do I do with all this? This is, this is overwhelming stuff. But what do I do? What's my response to this, right? And I just want to give um, one response that we all should have, okay? Especially as we see more and more of this happening as we know what is coming at some point right our hearts should be in other words this right here the silence is that we learn to be still before god to get his heart for the world yet we read this and we're like oh remember what i said earlier you can't you can't have the love of god unless you understand the wrath of god you can't do that you can't have god's love without his justice he's perfect and holy and those two things crossed at the cross it's the only thing in all the world that makes sense of justice and love and how this fits together, right? And um, so here, here's just a thought, a challenge for all of us. 
In this town right now, there are lonely, isolated people that nobody has prayed for. There are lonely, isolated people in this town who have never had someone pray for them or reach down to their soul to love them. And um, think about this. If you know Jesus and you're here, somebody prayed for you. I promise you, somebody prayed for you. Maybe you don't know who they were, but somebody interceded, put you before the throne of God that God's grace would shine upon you, that your heart and eyes would open to God. Somebody prayed for you. And in this town, there are people who've lived a secular life, who, who've lived outside of any understanding of what we're talking about here this morning, and they need the love of God. They need someone boldly to step into their life and to start lifting them up in prayer. That God, would you just touch this person? And I take us to the pool beside There's people here that nobody, <clears throat> they have nobody to take them to the pool for healing. You know the story? John 5, right? Jesus goes to the pool of and talks to the one guy out of all the, it's a hospital, out of all the people, one guy. And says, Lord, I have no one to take me to the pool. I'm here alone. I'm isolated. We got to be Jesus for that person that has nobody to take them to the place of healing. And there's plenty of them in this town because we live in a secular town that's enamored with the things of the world. And the other thing is, what about all the rich people in town? Well, Jesus says, you can gain all the world, but you lose your soul? You gain the world and lose your soul? So we have Zacchaeus. This is Luke 19, right? Zacchaeus is in that town. You have a very wealthy man, Zacchaeus. Nobody was bold enough to step into this wealthy, influential man's life and share boldly the gospel, get below the skin to his soul and call out his soul. He had to go climb a tree and, and, and there was a hunger in there and look for Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, Today, Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. To share the good news. Folks, there are wealthy people. There are some of the top one percenters in the world living right here. And the reality is their influence and their money intimidates you, right, to boldly speak into their life. There are Zacchaeuses around here. They might look like they got it all together, but you know, inside their heart, they know, hey, you know what? I got all that the world can pay for, but I'm missing something. And they have no one, no one because of the barriers of wealth. Wealth isolates always, folks, by the way. They have no one who's willing boldly to step into their life and share Jesus with them. Just boldly get into their life. I don't care how much you got. I don't care what influence you got. But what I care is about your soul. And where's your soul with the Lord? I want you to hear about somebody who loves your soul and loves you and the riches beyond anything you could ever imagine that he has for you. That's the response. And that's when the church comes alive, right? And God starts opening doors, especially as we see Right, the incoming. So, Father, we just come to you right now. Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray you'll just awaken us, Lord, to the glory, Lord, that's coming. Lord, help our hearts burn with your will. You want to be with us. You want the earth renewed. You want heaven to be here again. And so that, Lord, we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, God. Lord, until then, let us be people bold. Let us be people overflowing the love of God, Lord. Give us opportunities. Show us those people. Let us start praying for them, Lord. Let us be that person to intercede for the lonely, isolated person. Let us be that person, Lord, to boldly approach someone, Lord. Father, like a Zacchaeus, Lord, who has all that the world can give them, but their soul is dead. Lord, rock us. The consequences are eternal, Lord. Well up your love, Lord. And Father, if there's somebody watching online right now, Lord, that's broken, 
need you. I pray you'll just enter the room wherever they're at. Jesus, come into my heart. Change me. Seal me. Protect me. I want to be your child. Save him now, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.